And welcome, folks, to another edition of the Michigan Football Breakdown Recruiting Style. Getting these coaches on to give you their perspective on Michigan's 2023 signees. And this is the perspective from some guys who actually had to do this for a living. Actually had to assess the talents of prospects to see how they would fit into their schemes. And so we are going to analyze first the offensive guys with a former offensive coordinator, not just in Michigan, but many places. When we talk about where these kids are from, Al Borges can say, oh, yeah, I used to coach down there. Yeah, I used to coach over there. That's right. I've been in that school before because Al Borges is a world traveler as offensive coaches go. Al, how are you? I've been everywhere, Sam. I've been everywhere. I can't sing the song because he like rips through all those places. One of these days I'll learn that. But yeah, I've been everywhere. And it's funny. I look at uh, some of the schools and you're right. I recruited a ton of these places or or, or it, if I didn't recruit it, I visited them because somebody else was recruiting them and I was just going in to see a, an offensive recruit. So it's it's always interesting to see places like Ritter, Cardinal Ritter High School and, you know, places, uh, uh, places like that where uh, – they bring back some good memories. Well, uh, this is a recruiting class from a rankings perspective. Um, you know, finished at number 16, not not the kind of, of finish that is commensurate with their performance on the field and kind of ragged on by, by fans a bit as a result. But uh, I thought they were able to complement this class very well in the portal. We'll talk about the portal another time after you get a chance to evaluate the film. Uh, of those guys. So we'll do that separately. Today's focus is just on the offensive signees in the 2023 recruiting class. So thought it would be a great opportunity to have you lay eyes on them one by one, Al, and give your expert take, your expert view, not just as a, as a play caller and a guy who had to do this, but also, you know, Michigan's offense. You, you, you watch it as, as much, if not more than anyone outside the program. Uh, so you can really speak to how they fit, where they fit, right? Better than most. So, again, a great opportunity to do that before we dive in. want to remind you, if you like this podcast and you're listening to it on a podcast channel, be sure to rate it, be sure to review it, be sure to tell all your friends about it. They can find it wherever they get their podcasts. That's Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, you name it. Of course, if you're watching it on YouTube, be sure to like the video, be sure to subscribe to the channel, that way, you'll get a notification every time we do a new installment. And if you are on the MichiganInsider.com, what are you waiting for? 50% What off. are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You Sam, quick question. Are we edifying in this video? Are I we think doing so. I, I think so. I mean, you know, this is not a defensive recruit, or not an offensive recruit, but Jair Hill, people were up in arms uh, over the guy who I think is the best guy in the class. He had removed Michigan from his top five. And people were ready to jump off a cliff. We told them over on the MichiganInsider.com to calm down. It's a smokescreen. It's a pump fake. It's going to be okay. Everyone we say, everyone we talk to in Michigan recruiting circles, and we had several sources down in Kankakee on the staff in the city. They are all saying Michigan. And so we told people to relax. If you are following us on the MichiganInsider.com, then you went into that announcement expecting for him to still pick Michigan, which is exactly what he did. You could be in on the latest and the greatest with more recruits still on the docket for Michigan in the late signing period. We got the uh, playoff coverage coming. We got the all-star game coverage coming. No better time than the present to get in right now for 50% off an annual subscription. And that includes 
if you're a monthly subscriber and you want to upgrade. So go ahead, take the plunge right now. With that, Al, let's first, before we go player by player offensively, give me your, your broad stroke. As you looked at all the guys, kind of assess maybe what you think the strengths of this class are. If there's a, if there's a standout, if there are guys that really jumped off the screen to you more than others, what would your broad stroke, your broad brush of the class be? Well, two positions kind of stuck out to me. Uh, the tight end position, which I know is such a high priority uh, at Michigan. Uh, the two guys that we looked at, we'll talk about in a little bit, but they fit the mold, Sam. They're like the guys that are there, very similar. I mean, they'll bring something different to the table in some capacity, but for the most part, it's easy to see why they recruited them. And the other one is a wide receiver position. And I went, I think they went, uh, you know, for some big play guys, obviously, because everybody wants that, but also some diverse guys, you know, some guys that could could bring something other than the the blow the top off the coverage type deal. You like everybody to be able to do that, but very seldom are all your receivers like that because they have to fit roles, right? And that's kind of what Michigan's done, uh, particularly in the last couple of years, is put the right peg in the right hole. And that's Sometimes that's challenging. But those two positions, I I think the whole class is pretty darn good. And we aren't talking about the portal, but when you include the portal, this class is excellent. Mm -hmm. It's excellent. So uh, and I'm sure you'll you'll get into that more in another session. But uh, I went through all the kids and I, you know, my 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 uh, my personnel guy, you know, old guys like to stick together. Right, Sam. Mm -hmm. So Bobby Morrison and I. I mean, we were on the phone the other day. I couldn't get him off because this is a subject he'd rather talk about. Come on, come on, man. Bobby Morrison, for those who don't know, Bobby Morrison is uh, Michigan's longtime recruiting coordinator under Lloyd. So yeah. the only one only one that calls me out my name more than Al, because Al is numbnuts. He calls me numbnuts all the time, is Bobby freaking Morrison. Bobby uh, Friggin' Morrison, and I that's how you should my name say his around name. Bobby. I don't even know what my name is when I'm around Bobby Morrison. So. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, me neither. I mean, he has no respect for anybody. But uh, the one thing, he he's he's good at, at assessing. I mean, he was with Bo. He was with Mo. He was with Lloyd. He knows, you know, this was his deal. And he still loves to talk about recruiting. So I looked at all the kids, and then I went back over, and I called him up, and I knew I, I had to have a lot of time because when it came to recruiting <laughs> – you're going to be on the phone a while, okay? So we went over the kids, and we kind of cross-checked what we agreed and disagreed with. But he was on the same page. I think he felt like it fit what they wanted. Even if it isn't the five-star y'all want, he fit. they fit what Michigan wants to play with. So, uh, like I said, the wide receiver, the tight end stood out. But I think the whole class, there's there's nobody that I wouldn't recruit in this class. So, mm-hmm. so you know, what we're going to do is we're going to start uh, in in the order of ranking. And at least according to our, you know, 24-7's um, composite ranking, highest rated offensive player in the class is a guy that you've seen live, I've seen live, all, everyone around these parts knows, and that's one Mr. Cole Cabana. Yeah. Big play threat every time he touches the football. Might, Al, just might step on the campus as the fastest player on the team the moment he arrives. Yeah, he can run. I mean, he's legitimately fast. And the thing I like about him, and again, I just compare players so you can analyze the player, not because I'm saying he's as good as a player or anything, but he's very Christian McCaffrey type. You know what I'm saying? He's a, a, 
he's a uh, very diverse, very good lateral quickness, more of a slashing runner than a stop and go runner. You know what I'm saying? Uh, excellent receiving skills. And when I say that, this, this, this is how I know a guy's got good, ex- excellent receiving skills. Cause this is fits the Donovan Edwards mold. He can not only catch the ball coming out of the backfield, but he can actually line up a wide receiver, run vertical routes, run post routes, run cross. You know, he can do all the stuff that a receiver can do. So uh, that that's when you know they're the next level receiver because a lot of kids can just catch a little dump pass or screen out of the backfield. But I think Cabana goes beyond that. Okay. Also, Sam, and this is an area I think he might be able to contribute early is as a return guy because he he is lethal on 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 kick and punt returns. So uh, that jumped out. He plays a little bit of wildcat. He'll jump in there, play a little bit of Wildcat. But the thing I liked about him is, again, the receiving skills, exceptional balance, and obviously great straight line speed. I just think Cabana can be used in a variety of ways that Michigan likes to use backs. You know what I mean? You may not see, he would not maybe be featured as much at other schools as he would be featured here. So I think it's a good a good call for both sides in terms of, of, of his decision to come to Michigan. Yeah, so the question that a lot of people have about him uh, is, is he a receiver or is he a legit back? And I thought he really answered that question. I, you know, Dexter uses him all over the place, right? And I, I thought they did a much better job in the senior because I remember going out to watch him as a junior. And I was like, man, I'm no play caller. But, hell, if I was – if I had, you know, studied under Al Borges, I'm sure he'd say, hey, man, get the, the, hand, the ball in this kid's hands as much as possible. Right, yeah. every play, and I, I there were games that I went to. I was like, man, feels like they didn't use him enough in this game. I thought they mm-hmm. they solved that problem as a senior. I thought he was. They did, yeah, they did. More they, as a senior. Yeah, they were very, very mindful of seeing to it that he got X amount of touches in a variety of ways. Because again, like I saw him, he's one I actually saw play in person, where most of these kids I did not. But uh, they they used him. They they tapped him for all he was worth. So did you think watching him as a senior, did you regard him more in his senior season for his ability to run the football? Because that's the question that people have. Is he really a back or is he going to be a slot guy and be that primarily at the college level? That's what some of the critics say or ask, if you will. I think he's a running back. I thought he's and I'm going to go back to Christian McCaffrey. A lot of people thought he was a slot. A lot of people thought he was a slot. But uh, I and, and confirming it, and it's interesting you compared his junior and senior year because I would have leaned a little more that way last year. But after watching him this year, I'm convinced he can play running back. Right. Now, it, it could be situational. I don't know. Can he pound you for 25 carries? I think he can. But if he can't, he has other skills to compensate for not toting the ball out of the backfield 25 times. So, and Michigan's always going to play with more than one back anyway. So he, there's going to be a role and it, it may be significant. It may be less carries, more distribute carries and receptions. Uh, but I don't see him as a Hassan Haskins. I'll say that, mm-hmm. but he may be a Donovan Edwards. Okay. So, I mean, just, if you just want to compare their game. Yeah. That's what they sold them on. They sold them on. You could be like, Donovan, uh, you know, if you want to compare the two skill set, you know, their skill sets, I, I think Donovan is when you talk about his, his running backs, Donovan is definitely a, a more physical guy. I'm not saying that Cole's not physical, 
but you know, watching Donovan in, in high school, and this is why Donovan and and, and uh, you know uh, when you look back before the season and you talk to Blake about it, they were kind of upset that people were like, "Well, who's going to be the who's going to be the short yardage back?" And both of those guys, like, what the hell are you? T- <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? I can run for short yardage. I can run. I can lower my shoulder. And if you watch Donovan in high school, you certainly saw him do that. He was regarded for his ability to run outside and inside. Yeah. So he he brings a physicality to the game, uh, and more more established in that way uh, than Cole. But I thought Cole, as a senior, got bigger, stronger, more definition, more muscle, and showed a willingness to to get in there, stick his nose in there between the tackles. Yeah, I mean, he, he's he got as many runs inside as he has outside. And I like Donovan, I heard, oh, he just runs the ball outside. I go, that's nonsense. Watch that split zone against Purdue and then tell me he just can run the ball outside. That, that, that's that's nonsense. And I, I think it's the same thing with, with Cole Cabana. So uh, I think when he gets to Michigan, things will bear themselves out in terms of his role. But he's going to have a role. I'm I'm sure of that. Funny story, man. So I did a chalk talk with, with Donovan. We broke down that split zone. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and he agreed. He's the best player, the best player of the season. He said, I'm a big play guy. Said, that's, that's what I do. So I said, so Donovan, this split zone, play side is to the left. So we, I'm not going to show it here because we don't own the footage. Right. <laughs> right? But <laughs> play side is to the left. And Al, you remember there was a hole up in there for a good four or five yards. I mean, the backer is right there, but you're going you're gonna to get through the hole and you're going to get four or five yards right there. So I said, Donovan, what did you see? He said, I, he said, I, I saw a touchdown the other way. There were two guys outside. <laughs> two guys outside, Al. He said, but there's a touch. I see some, I see a crease there. I see a touchdown. And Al, he ran through six guys. Six guys. Yeah. So, hey, if you can, you got to be special to do that, right? So he said, I saw a touchdown backside. He got a touchdown backside. There ain't no question. Sam, I re- equate it to that guy you're yelling about about taking that three-point shot, you know. He's about five feet behind the three-point line, and he throws it up there, and the coach, what are you t-? and then, boom, swish, okay? And you go, well, man. Okay, we're good. We're good. I always tell him that, and I, I say this, you know, you don't want to make them robots. We talk about that all the time. You guide them, you coach them, you give them points, aiming points, and then let them go. Hey man, and look, I'm no coach, so I you know, I made sure to tell him I'm not criticizing. I just want to know what you saw. Like, what did you see here? Because a regular human being sees four yards play side, right? Yeah. Someone like you with special talent looks backside, sees a guy out there, and another guy that could potentially fall off a block, and you see a touchdown, and you make one. Running through six guys. That's not. Well, you'd be amazed how many of those backs couldn't tell you what they saw. They just instinctively went there. Gail Sayers used to say, "Give me eighteen inches of daylight anywhere, anywhere. Just give me eighteen inches there. Give me that much. I'll find it. But let, just let me get started, and we'll be good to go." That's very much uh, Donovan's mentality. So I know I said we were going to go in order of ranking, but let's just stick with the position for a minute, because one of the most scrutinized members of the class is Benjamin Hall. He was an early commitment to this class. And so I I think it's important to kind of frame the timing of it, right? So you remember on the heels of Hassan Haskins, who was so great last year, great developmental guy. And shout out to Jay Harbaugh, who I continue to tout as one of the best recruiters on this staff, one of the best recruiters in the country. 
Hassan Haskins was a developmental guy that a lot of people saw as a linebacker. But I remember his coach saying, Hassan has some Le'Veon Bell in him, right? And that, mm-hmm. that was kind of the, the word from that Hassan as he was talking to Jay. That was kind of the word he got. And that's exactly what he looked like when he got here. Well, after Hassan left, there were all these questions about who's going to be the big bat. And you got Blake and, and Donovan saying, what are you talking about? Blake adds 10 pounds just to show he could do it. You know, Donovan saying he could be physical. But in recruiting, and, and, and by the way, in Michigan, they're trying out Khalil Mullings. Mm-hmm. Right. Trying to get that big back contingent. And then in recruiting, they're saying we need to go get that. We need to find a replacement for that. And that's when they went on Benjamin Hall. It was around that time with that mindset that kind of shaped that pursuit. Then as a senior, you know, he doesn't he doesn't play as much. There's a an underclassman that kind of took away a lot of the snaps and his role was diminished as a senior. And so people were like, huh, what if? How does he really fit? So I'm curious, and I know the fans are curious, what did you see when you watched Benjamin Hall on tape? Well, he was interesting. Now, he's in Kennesaw, Georgia, and that's another place I recruited when I was in Auburn. Uh, so th- and there's a lot of athletes down there. I mean, there there's a lot of athletic kids. Um, first of all, he looks like he's got good speed. I don't know if it's great speed, but it's pretty darn good. His feet in the hole are very quick. But what's interesting about Benjamin is he doesn't have to finesse you to win. He'll drop his shoulder and run through guys, too. He's 225 pounds, or at least he's listed at 225 pounds. And you you feel that 25, 225 pounds when he ta- when you tackle him. So, uh, but he's, I thought, the perfect combination of, of evasiveness and physicality, which is really cool, which that's a lot of the way Hassan was. And you say, well, Hassan was a linebacker. Well, I'm sure Hassan probably could have played linebacker, right? And I'll bet you Benjamin could play linebacker. But, you know, offensive guys, they like touchdowns. So uh, uh, his vision is good. I didn't see him running into people. I saw him running around people when he had to. The thing I liked about him, too, that that, that as soon as I see that, you know, when you, when you see him run a Michigan play, Sam, you know, you see a pin and pull or you see a stretch play or something, you start envisioning how would that, you know, that's that's what he's going to have to do when he get here. Well, they'd run pin and pulls in particular, and he demonstrated a lot of patience at setting blocks up. Because with running backs, it's a little different when you're in the perimeter and people are in front. It requires you set blocks up and be patient and allow them to do that. And he had, particularly big backs get scrutinized on outside running all the time because there's always a big guy just runs inside. Well, this kid, he runs outside every bit as good as he does inside. And he was very patient on, 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 on the pin and pulls. He was very patient on the stretch plays to hit it once the hole open. Uh, and that, that caught my eye. Uses blocks well, finishes runs, falling forward. But only thing about him, I did not see him catch, I think, but one pass, a little pass. So I don't know what his receiving skills are. But as a runner, I think he fits the bill. You know, the the interesting thing will be to me, will he be a specialty player? I mean, um, will he just will he just get the big back snaps like Khalil, Khalil Mullings is a specialty player for them? Will he be right. relegated to that? Or will they see him more as an every down guy? See, with, with Hassan, it, you know, the reason why they, why some looked at him as a linebacker coming out of high school, even though running back was his primary position, he was projected as a linebacker because he ran a 4 7. It wasn't because his running backs go see, because he always had great vision. He always had terrific feet. That's where the Le'Veon Bell comparison comes in, right. which ironically, I remember when Le'Veon Bell came to Michigan's camp. 
and they worked him out, and they said linebacker too because he ran a four seven. Yeah, right. And they yeah. were so they were I, and I think this kid's down. faster than four seven, Sam. I think I think uh, I think Hall is faster than four seven. What is I'm it? Not, I've never tried to know, but that's the quickest way to get kicked to linebackers a forty time, and sometimes it's not always a good idea. Okay? Yeah, well, yeah, the, the feet and the vision uh, that makes up for for a lot in the way of foot speed. I mean, because you you aren't running forty yards a whole very often. You know, as a running back, right? You're running four or five yards a whole hell of a lot. Who can make that play when there's a when there's a guy in a hole or you get hit in the backfield? That was a sign every time. No, the first guy never got a sign asking. No, no. I, I tell you a good story. You'll get a kick out of this. My buddy that I work with at UCLA coached at USC. He had Ronnie Lott, he's a DB coach, had Ronnie Lott, he had Dennis Smith, and he had Marcus Allen. Okay. And uh John Robinson told him, Can't have them all. I need a running back. I need a running back. And because Marcus only ran four six, he said, oh, "I'll give you Marcus." <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I need to say very much more no, after that. Don't. No, you don't. So, all right, let's get right back to it, uh, and let's go back up now uh, to the second highest rated player in the class. Michigan picked him up yesterday. They actually got a commitment from him last week. Right. So you guys might recall there's a kid out of Tennessee named Chance Fitzgerald. And I actually wrote about this over the Michigan Insider dot com said, hey, Michigan is recruiting taller receiver, six, four guy, really good film, faster than expected, was tearing things up in Tennessee. And Michigan was sort of surging at the end. Colorado came on him uh, at the end as well. He winds up committing to Virginia Tech like a half day after I put that piece up when I said, hey, Chance Fitzgerald, they kind of pushing on him. Carmelo English is clearly the number one guy. They like Chance, too, and it might be the first guy to say they're coming. And then Chance commits to Virginia Tech, and they're like, what are you talking about, Sam? Well, that was the day that Carmelo English committed to Michigan. So yeah, when, this, you watch, when you watch Carmelo on film, what did you see? Yeah, it's, this is a good get here now. This is this is a good player. And another place, Phoenix, Alabama. I've been in there, too, Sam. I've been in there, too. Uh, Central High School. Uh, gosh. Uh, shifty. Very quick uh 50-50 balls i think you got one if you want to use them okay i think he can go get it uh very smooth on double moves they they show him on on tape a couple times loses very little speed when he's got to stop and go okay uh hands catcher i did not see a ball on the video i looked at that got into his body he took them all in front or went up over the top to get the ball and was comfortable using his hands. There's another thing I noticed about him that not all receivers do, because he's not exceptionally a real big kid. He, they list him at 5'11", 175, but he has the ability to body defenders out of the way if the ball's tight. You know what I mean? The Terrell Owens thing, who was a big guy, but could actually stick his body between the defender and the ball and with strong hands take the ball from the defender. Not all new receivers can do that. He's a, not all receivers are good on 50-50 balls. So this guy has a lot of dimensions to him, okay? Very good run after catch, physical, quick feet, and will do dirty work in the middle of the defense. I think if you're asking him on third and 12 to go in and run a dig and somebody's going to light him up and the ball gets there the same time as, as uh, the defender gets there the same time as the ball, I think he will catch the ball. I do. But this, this guy was, I think, an excellent acquisition. Yeah, he, uh, you know, to be a a a five eleven maybe six foot guy, I, I mean he 
he plays the he plays bigger than his size. He does, yeah. He, he One thing him. I learned about that coaching uh, Jeremy Gallon, Sam, is sometimes you don't let that height deceive you on balls that you wouldn't think a short guy could get. Now he's not short. Gallon was only five eight, but he takes balls away from taller defensive players. No doubt, uh, Carmelo English, and when you pair him with a guy, and this was what maybe some folks were looking at when they said, you know, why not go for a bigger guy? He is very similar to me. And I wonder what you thought. Similar in size, similar in skill set, similar in mentality to the other receiver in the class, Samaj Morgan out of West Bloomfield. So when you watch Samaj, I'm curious, <laughs> I'm curious what you thought of him. Samaj, Samaj, uh, Man, I never seen a guy play this many positions in my life. I think did did he sell popcorn at halftime and play in the band? Because he did everything for them. Okay, he's I saw him playing quarterback. I saw him playing running back, wide receiver, safety, returner. The one thing I liked about Samaj, he's not was not real big, and probably Sam. My guess is he'll end up an inside receiver. But five ten can play outside if they can go get it and have speed. But my guess is he'll be an inside receiver, at least originally, at least initially. But the thing I liked about him is he did have good speed. He did extremely versatile and was tough and competitive. I mean, he was, you could tell he's out there playing to win every time the ball snapped. And was no task was too small. No task was too big. Uh, I think he filled some spots where they needed him filled. And this is a kid that there will be a place for somewhere on this football team. My knee jerk is it's going to be a slot receiver, but I wouldn't be surprised if he played outside. I wouldn't be surprised if at one point they they moved him to defense because he played some safety too. Although my guess is he'll probably end up on offense. Okay. Uh, Yeah. There's no question. There's no question. And again, a guy who can high point the football, one hand catch dynamo physical. And then these guys mentality wise, you know, I, I said this on one of our breakdown shows yesterday. I think of Marion Walker, and I think he has a chance to be special. Um, mm-hmm. Same thing with Darius Clemens. These are two six four guys. Mari is a is a really super reserved, laid back kid. Now that you know, he brings some some dog to the game on the field, but that's not not the, he's not he's not a when you think receiver attitude, you think Michael Irvin, right? You think you think oh you think Odell. That right. kind of mentality. That's not Mari. That's not Darius Clemens, who a little bit more out there than than Amarion, but you know, more reserved. Tyler Morris yes. is a shorter guy at six one. Not sure, but a shorter guy than those two. Kind of reserved like that. But these two dudes, <laughs> I mean, you hear them coming in the door, Al. You may be able to see over their heads, but you are going to out talk them uh, because these these guys bring that edge to the receiver room and. Personally, Al, I kind of like that on a team. That's that's. Just, I don't know how you felt about it, but I like that on a team. Throw me the damn ball, Sam. <laughs> Some of them would drive me out of my mind. I said, "Hey, I've only got one damn ball, okay?" And Jones wants it too. Not to mention Smith, the halfback. No, but you got you got to have guys like that, Sam. You got to have dudes that that, that want to compete, that want the ball, that want to help themselves win, and as long help your team win. And as long as it's it's channeled correctly i love it i absolutely love it you know receivers are a funny position they're at the mercy of the quarterback's accuracy and the line's ability to protect it didn't like the 
the tailback where you just hand him the ball and he's got the ball. I may not get any yards, but at least he's got the ball. But uh, so it can be a frustrating position, but I like that edge. I really like it. I, th- I think it, it makes some guys a little better than maybe they are. Uh, so next, as far as the rankings are concerned, uh, this will get us started with the offensive lineman, Evan Link, who I went to watch live in a great test. He lined up against Nick Harbor, the the super duper uber athlete, six four, you know, two hundred six four and some change, two hundred thirty five pounds, a ten two hundred meter receiver, tight end slash defensive end. So you know he can come off the edge with speed. And Evan Link, Evan Link got the better of that matchup that day. Yeah. You know he didn't win every snap, but he he won his fair share. Uh, it really did a good job of keeping keeping Nick out of the backfield. So I was impressed with what I saw from Evan Link. You know, in every recruiting class, Sam, I know I did, and I'm sure every coordinator in America, you always want to find a left tackle, a guy that you think is going to be a left tackle. Now, sometimes they were and sometimes they weren't. But this kid looks like a kid who could be a left tackle. He's, his range, he's six foot six. he's 290 pounds, uh, I thought of all the linemen was the best knee bender. Okay. And that's what you want. And none of them were bad knee benders, but I just thought he was the best good at finishing box plays with leverage. Darn near every snap, uh, very quick first step, which is critical, not just in a run game, but also in pass protection runs very well. And the one thing that's always fun to watch uh, with linemen, you know, the, uh, the pulling is always cool. I like that. But really, you want to see how athletic alignment is, have them get out on a screen. That'll give you, because those people are, are always juking them, you know, that's that where they got to kind of come to you when you're pulling, but not quite as much on screens. A lot of those smaller players will evade you. So you find out whether the, the, the lineman can change direction and finish on the defender. And he was extremely good, I thought, at adjusting his body to block on quick screens which showed up a couple of times. He looks athletic to me, okay? Played through the whistle. I never seen him, him stop. Like I said, quick pass set. And I believe, as I said, I think he is a potential left tackle. That's where, if it was me, that's where I'd start him. And then if he wasn't quite as good as the other tackle protector, then I'd move it. But as long as he showed signs of what he did on that video, uh, I'd try to develop him as a left tackle. Yeah, the, the the thing with Evan is needs to add weight. I know he's listed at two ninety, probably about that, but he can he can carry a good twenty pounds of muscle sure. easily, and that's kind of what he talked about needing to improve his strength. Um, he has good quickness. Uh, he he has good feet. And I want you to explain the concept for me real quick to the fans, anyway, uh, Al. But he loves he loves the run game. Plays with a little edge to him. Uh, but you said. Man, he's a really good knee bender. So the the importance of being a knee bender versus a waist bender is what? Well, knee benders play in a better football position. Hence, they can move quicker, more often than not. Now, it's not the end all. I learned that coaching Marcus McNeil when I was at Auburn because he was a six-foot, nine-inch kid who really wasn't a great knee bender, but he could move his feet. And trying to get around a six-nine guy that can move his feet, you don't really have to be as good a knee bender as I thought you did, Okay. But when you watch linemen, one of the first things you want to see is, does he play in an athletic position? On the snap of the ball, is it, is it effortless for him to get into a three-point stance? Because some guys are so big these days, Sam, it's not easy for him. So, well, you know what they do? They keep in a two-point stance. Well, 
uh, is it effortless for him to get in a three-point stance? Is he quick out of his stance? And does he bend his knees and stay bent pretty much through contact? And I, that's the one thing that stood out with Evan is, for the most part, he was he was pretty much in a good knee-bent position through the progression of the block. When you waist-bend too much, you tend to be top-heavy, and when you make contact, you fall forward, and you, it's harder to finish blocks, okay? But knee-benders explode up through defenders and are more inclined to stay on their feet and finish blocks. I don't yeah, know if that helps you at all, but you know, yeah, I think it does. Well, one one offensive line coach, because you always looking for tips from coaches, like what do you look at in, in an eval? And one O line coach in in sort of assessing uh, knee bending versus waist bending, he said he what he would do is look at a guy getting a three point and see if his heel came up off the ground. I've heard that one. Yeah, I've heard that one. I've heard that one. Ground, that's not my guy, right? Yeah, I've heard that one. And what I've he called ankle flexion, he used he used to say so. Yeah, I've heard that one. I didn't use that as my end-all guide, but it, it is something to check, you know. Like some guys, they don't do things perfectly, but when the ball snapped, the job gets done. You know, like I said, Marcus McNeil was a Pro Bowl left tackle, and he was massive and athletic, but he wasn't a great knee bender. So, you know, there's some bastards to it, but, you know, pick see how they play and see if they fit. And I think this kid will fit. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, and so sticking with offensive line, because these are the next, as far as rankings are concerned, the next two guys, uh, as far as overall ranking, are also offensive linemen, starting with the kid who we've we've known since his freshman year, been watching really closely since his sophomore year, when he picked up that Michigan offer, Amir Herring, 6'3", about 300 bills from over at West Bloomfield. Yeah, of all of them, I thought Amir had the quickest first step. He he has he has uh, he looks naturally strong to me. Again, I don't know how much time he spent in the weight room, but he's he looks naturally strong to me, and he has the ability to, to overwhelm defenders. I mean, there's at times he just I mean, you know, flat backs and pancakes. He 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 has the ability to do it. Now, can you do it with college kids? That'll be harder. But it's nice to know he can dominate the players that he's playing against. Um, he's a better than average knee bender. I didn't felt he feel he was quite as good as as as. Uh, as Link was, but he still still was pretty good. Another thing about linemen, Sam, that's interesting to me, and again, it happens usually in perimeter block, is their ability to redirect. And I thought Amir was a very good redirector. You know, again, it comes up on screens, it comes up on reverse, comes up on stuff that require that you move more. But he could he could move his weight right and left almost effortlessly and and and, and do a, a really good job of ending up blocking someone. Now he's better He's a better, to me, uh, first-level blocker than he is a second-level blocker. He still has some work for that, but he's certainly athletic enough to to be a good second-level blocker. Uh, he's an okay puller. I thought he pulled pretty good, although I didn't see a ton of it, but I think he'll be fine. And at the end of the day, he's probably my guess is he's going to be an inside guy. He'd probably be a guard yeah, only because he's probably an inch or two shorter than what you want at tackle. 
but I think this kid's got a tremendous upside. I think in time he'll uh, he'll develop into a hell of a lineman. Yeah, super bright, high IQ guy, uh, probably a guard, but has the acumen for center. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how it how it plays out. But I, I see him having a, a a role at some point, a starting role at some point in, in his Michigan career. That maybe the most intriguing guy. Uh, of the of the linemen in the class is Natafobi. Now, Natafobi is a late riser in part because he was initially viewed as a defensive lineman. Uh, you know, I think coaches over the past, you know, year or so started to project him more, year or two, more as an offensive lineman. He in- increased his speed and quickness. Uh, he he obviously has some physicality, and while he's about six four and a half, six four and some change, uh, long arms, and, and and there's a belief that he could maybe play on the outside if you want him to. So I'm curious if you if you what you noted when you watched Natafobi on film. Well, first thing I noticed he's a pretty good defensive lineman. <laughs> he wasn't <laughs> that could end up a wrestling match with the defensive side of the ball because he ain't bad. But that's what you want on offense, Sam. You want a guy that the defense would like to have. You know what I mean? And he certainly looks like one of those. The one thing, the the first thing that occurred to me when I watched Nathan was explosiveness. He is explosive. Again, he's another quick first step guy. Okay, his feet are soft and he's quick out of his stance. Uh, he's a guy. You know, he's not fundamentally perfect offensively. But what's interesting about him is. He doesn't necessarily have to be at that level, his level. He will have to be more fundamentally in college. But when you're evaluating, he could put himself out of position to make a block and have the recovery skills to still make the block. Now, some guys, they can't do that. If they're out of position, forget about it, play over, right? Well, this kid showed the kind of recovery skills that I think uh, when he does learn how to do it right, is going to be a really good player. He runs well. Uh, Again, I didn't see him pull much, but I, I would be shocked if he wasn't a good puller. I think I can see him in the perimeter. Uh, again, better than average knee bender, but not as good, I think, as Link. But I think this guy, to me, uh, I put I put great upside because I think when he just plays one side of the ball, okay, and not mixes, and I don't know how much of that he did this year or not, but I did see a lot of defensive shots. <clears throat> when he focuses on one side of the ball and hones his skills on that side of the ball, his game will ascend. I, I really believe that. He is a guy that's a tweener now between playing uh, between playing inside or outside. Okay, and they listed him. Let me see how big they listed. They list him at six three two eighty two. But you you said he was a little taller than that. Mm-hmm. If he is a little taller than that, he may be a candidate to play tackle because I think his feet are good enough. But I think it's more likely to be right than left. But who knows? Um, but knee jerk wise, if he's under six, four, you, you know, the shorter you get, the more inside you go. Usually that's not a hundred percent either, but usually that's the way it works. So uh, any way you cut it, he could end up before he's done at Michigan, be one of the best five players. And if he is, he's going to play somewhere. Yeah. You know, it, what uh, measure for me is Georgia wanted this guy, Georgia yeah. offered this guy, Georgia wanted this guy. Uh, and you know, look, what? there are some, there are some that are more enamored with him as a defensive lineman. And that, that has a lot to do with, with the assessment of him sort of as a late riser. Mm-hmm. That's where they view him. And some still think he might be a better defensive lineman, but I think Michigan 
Jerome Moore absolutely sold on him as as an O lineman. They were they were in fierce pursuit uh, from the moment they evaluated him. So uh, that's one to look at. I got to offer an apology to a guy I actually went to see. Right, I, so I skipped right over. Uh, you know, from a receiver standpoint, we're gonna we're gonna go outside of the rankings for a moment because Deacon Deacon Tony Elli, uh, is actually next, but I got to go down to Frederick Moore every season. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, yeah. I didn't add him in the receiver conversation, and I actually went to Cardinal Ritter to watch Frederick Moore. And the thing that that jumps out at you about about Frederick is great short area quickness. And of all the guys in there, because they have this is a uh, a a receiver class that is a great complimentary piece. But of all the receivers they recruited the last couple of years, he jumps out at me as the best route runner. Yeah, he does. Uh, I put excellent lateral quickness. It's funny you say that because that was one of the things jumped out to me. And a hands catcher. I mean, he didn't he didn't look like he bodied the ball. He has plus speed. The first thing, the second thing I looked at, he looked like he eat the cushion up fast. Now, mm-hmm. a couple of clips. He's on that DB before the DB can get out of two steps out of his back pedal, and he's that tells me he's got some speed. This is another school. When I was in Indiana, I recruited St. Louis uh, uh, Cardinal Ritter, Cardinal Ritter in St. Louis, so I'm familiar with with uh, what they've produced. You know, at six feet and one seventy five, I guess does that sound right, Sam? Uh, he was very good uh, at breaking tackles too. It wasn't like he was a little skimpy receiver uh, that was that couldn't get through people. You know, he uh, very good run after catch and very good with the ball under his arm. Not just in run after catch, he's he returned punts, he ran fly sweeps, he does the t- reverses the types of things that uh, you know. Because when you when you're looking at receivers, you always want to have one you know is a good reverse runner. You know what I mean? Because some kids just aren't as good at it as others. And he looks like he fits the bill. I think he would be a guy that they, you know, like they use Henny. You know, uh, I think he would be a guy that could do that. But, again, a hands catcher uh, and, the, and and very good body control. And I think could be a matchup problem for for defensive backs at big time, whether you're moving inside of the slot, whether he's outside, which I think he could play both. But uh, he's going to be a matchup problem. Yeah, what I like about it, he's going to be a good jerk route guy, a good double move guy. You know, anything that forces a DB to change direction or stop start, he's going to cre- he's going to get separation uh, in and out of breaks. He he is one of those guys and very precise as a route runner. And so we're saying all these going things like, well, why is he rated a three star according to some services? Much like the other St. Louis guy that we talked about, which Hassan Haskins, a St. Louis guy, they looked at his at his speed, you know, some of his early track times were in the 11s. Uh, he would say, you know, that was like from my freshman and my sophomore year. Uh, he got in the Cardinal Ritter's track program. Uh, and and the uh, the football coach's wife is the is the head track coach, really worked with him a lot on improving his speed. Uh, and so he insists he's faster. What I like to do is how fast does a guy play? You know, there's there's how fast you are on a watch. And how fast do you play? Yeah, we call yeah. it competitive speed. Yeah. Jerry Rice probably ran four or six unless he had the ball. <laughs> well, I didn't Anthony look. Carter probably ran about four or six because Anthony would never run the 40 because he didn't want anybody to know. But when he had the ball, nobody caught him. Nobody. So sometimes you, I look at the watch too much. I was, uh, sometimes you can get led down the wrong road when you get a real football player. Yeah, he's he is that guy. And look, he may be faster now. He insists he is. 
uh, you know, put him on the track now, which I'd be interested to see what he times. But I watch him on the football field. I know the dude can play. Texas A&M came, came in on him around the time that Michigan uh, picked up steam. And they were able to get that commitment to hold on to him. All right, now let's get back to the uh, back to the rankings and go back up to Deacon Tony Elli out of Oswego, Illinois. Not a guy that uh, you hear a lot from, doesn't do a lot of interviews. I actually sent Bryce Maris down to see him. He, he was actually hurt that game, so he missed the opportunity to see him live. So I'm really curious of what you saw when you watched Deacon on film, Al. Yeah. Uh, Deacon plays, like both the tight ends, plays uh, outside and tight end both. He's, he's, he's plays some wide receiver, which isn't at all unusual in today's day and age for a tight end. Uh, six foot six, 215 pounds. He's obviously going to have to put some weight on. That's not an issue because he has the frame to do it. Uh, he lines up tight, lines up wide, another hands catcher. I mean, that's what I liked about these guys is I, I'm always looking for receivers that are letting too many balls get into their body. Cause I know eventually that's going to catch up with them, but this, this kid doesn't look like that. He has, looks like he has a very good body control. Uh, has tight end speed though. Yeah, I think he's got to be a tight end. Not that you can't use him in some spread alignments because I think you can, but his home is going to have to be attached in some way, shape, or form most of the time. Okay. Uh, I don't, again, I would like to see more blocking with him because it just wasn't a lot. But the thing I liked about him, De- Deacon is he was very athletic, Sam, when the ball was in the air. All of a sudden, the skills, a little bit like uh, Loveland, you know what I mean? Uh, the skills came to the surface. They manifested themselves when the ball went into the air, whether he had to had to twist his body, jump for the ball, fall on the ground to get a ball, whatever. Uh, he was very athletic with the ball in the air. So I think his upside is good, again, with some weight and uh, just development on the line of scrimmage. I think he'll, he'll end up a pretty good investment. Do you think do you think he's as fast as Colston? Because Colston has more foot speed than I've seen any Michigan tight end in recent memory has. I don't know if he does. Yeah, I don't know if he does. I don't think he's as fast as Colston, but I don't really know. You know, I don't really know. Uh, and it was hard to get it, really gauge how fast he was. But my instincts was that he was not – he had tight end speed. That would be slow. That just doesn't mean he runs – you know, he doesn't run 4-4 four, 4-5 four, four, because I've seen tight ends that run 4-8 and 4-9 that are deadly, okay? So uh, – uh, but I think, I think in time this will be a very good player. I don't think he's going to make a – Instant contribution, but I think he will before he's done. So what about the other kid, Zach Marshall, who is an intriguing athlete? What did you think of Zach? Yeah, the California kid. Uh, very smooth out of cuts for a, for a tight end, Sam. Very smooth. And you're always looking to see how if tight ends lumber or not. You know what I'm saying? Is they, they got to redirect and because they're bigger than receivers usually. Although, you know, uh, Zach – uh, like Deacon, he played wide also. He was also attached and detached, but he was very smooth out of cuts. Again, much like like Loveland is, you know. Um, excellent body control. Had to twist on a couple of catches to make the play. Lines up tight and wide. Uh, more physical with the ball than stop and go with the ball. When he gets it, you know what I'm saying? He's not necessarily going to go into a lot of dookie doogies, you know, but he will. he will not blink an eye about running through and splitting the coverage. Again, another hands catcher. I, I just love guys that don't let the ball get to their body. And you know what else, Sam? He can throw a pass. He he might he might have a little trick play element with him too. But his uh, at 6'4", 220, again, a little weight, needs a little weight, 
height is good. I think uh, I liked his athleticism. I think I liked his athleticism. My guess is he would play before Deacon would play, but I don't know that. I'm just saying where they are now coming out of high school. Uh, but both of them fit the mold of the type of tight ends that Michigan's been playing with. A couple of comments that I want to get to here uh, really quickly before we uh, assess what might be the most intriguing guy uh, in the class, uh, he being Kendrick Bell. Uh, but here is one from Christopher Robbins who says there's track speed and football speed. Big difference. Look at a guy like Amara St. Brown, who I saw in high school. Noah's dad, John St. Brown as well, who maybe would get John on the on one of these podcasts. That'll that'll lighten up the light up one of these shows for sure. But he said he's a four six guy that plays like a sub four four guy, body control, smarts, courage, fearlessness are critical. Amara St. Brown is a is a precise route runner. He can do that jerk stuff. He can do that double move stuff. He creates separation out of the breaks. I like that comparison. The, the one distinction I would draw is Amon St. Brown was always a physically developed, I mean, just a strong, strong kid. You got Frederick Moore, who is very much on the other end of that, that spectrum. I think he's going to have to be a year or two in the weight room before he get to where Amon St. Brown was coming out of high, coming out of high school. As a as a five star receiver, but I think that's a great observation that that Christopher just it made. is it is. I mean, I just think of the guys over the years. I mean, we had Anthony Carter when I was with the with the Oakland Invaders back in the middle eighties, and he had football speed, my goodness, and jumping ability. And but he wasn't going to run a great forty, and he wasn't going to even let you know what he ran because when you asked him, he always had a pulled hamstring, which he didn't have. But uh, Jerry Rice, maybe the greatest receiver of all time, uh, I don't think was was going to beat the watch. And I mentioned Marcus Allen. Marcus never got caught, but never ran a good 40 times. So there, there's no question. There is football speed. Now, as a coach, you got to be able to discern, can we take this guy even though he doesn't break the bank on a, on, on, on a watch? You know that what I mean? And that's where it's tricky now because they'll come back and say, I told you he wasn't very fast. Yeah, look at this question from David. He said, hey, Al, how can you tell the difference between a guy that runs fast, can a guy that – from a guy that can run fast with the football, is there a difference? Absolutely. You will see, particularly if a guy gets a step on a dude and you've never, you're, you're, you've timed him in lower time. And I mean lower, I'm not, you know, I'm talking slow. I'm talking the four sixes or middle four or fives. And today, I mean, if you don't run four, three, you're not fast, right, Sam? <laughs> but all of a sudden he gets a step on a guy and they can't catch him. That's what happened. They see good catch him. Couldn't catch him. They didn't even come close to catch him. Matter of fact, he would extend the distance. The same thing with Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice would catch slants in the middle of the defense, and two DBs would close on him. I saw two Packer DBs close on him, which you would swear, right? Ran right through him for a touchdown. So you just watch when he gets the ball and has an edge or has a foot or two, does he extend it, okay, in full stride? Mm-hmm. Understanding not having to stop. To get the ball because that can be deceiving. Some guys, well, he caught him. Ah, well, if he had to break stride, that's different. I'm talking about he's in full stride and the other guy's in full stride. That's football speed if he can, if, if he can, if he can. And then Sam, there's just dudes that are fast, right? Mm-hmm. Dudes are just fast. Cliff Branch back in the old days, he was just fast, right? They got him today. They're all over the place, but their speed is obvious. It's those guys that are, you know, in the middle there a little bit. Those are the ones you got to really look at closely. Gotcha. All right. So that brings us 
to Kendrick Bell. When they initially recruited Kendrick, the younger brother of Ronnie Bell, it was uh, as an athlete. You know, I mean, he he's a guy that I think they see some potential and maybe playing receiver like Ronnie. He's he's longer than Ronnie. You know, he's a legit 6'3", 180, really athletic basketball guy like Ronnie uh, as well. So really athletic, but he's a quarterback by trade. And I think as the class evolved uh, and it became clear that they weren't going to they weren't going to pursue another 23 quarterback and the emphasis kind of shifted to recruiting a 24 quarterback and top of that list being Jaden Davis, the five star out of Charlotte, that sort of allowed the space for Kendrick Bell to be considered more as a quarterback prospect or target. And that's what he is in this class. He's the quarterback in this class. So I'm curious what you thought of Kendrick. Yeah, I don't have any problem with that. Kendrick's pretty good. Now, he's, this kid was enjoyable to watch uh, on a lot of different levels. His arm strength is good. I mean, it's not jump out at you good, but it's good. You can make the throws now. But the thing that's cool about him, he can throw the ball with his body in any position. I mean, le- particularly left moving left, but he can he can be falling off it. And hence, his fundamentals are not what I would call perfect, okay? That can always be coached. I can't coach some of the stuff this kid does. He makes plays on passes that other quarterbacks cannot make, okay? He's a low three-quarter deliverer. So he's not that, you know, you know, when I was growing up, they always had a quarterback on the Wheaties box that had a perfect delivery, you know? Well, he's not that guy, but a lot of quarterbacks aren't. You know, so he so he can sling it almost sidearm sometimes and still put a little mustard on the ball, you know. Has incredible mobility. You can see why he was recruited as an athlete. He could plus one run too, Sam. Mm-hmm. He could do that without any issues to speak of and be a legitimate threat on those read counters, on those bluff zones, on those on the anything you want to do, quarterback draws, I think he would he would be good that way. And he might even have a little it factor to him. I'd like to see oh, – this is what I'd like to do. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. You know what family he comes from? Oh, no, I know. I know. You ever come across his dad, Aaron? He, he definitely has some it to him. There, there's, yeah. there's, there's just no question. Now, here's the deal, Sam. If I had this kid, the first time we scrimmaged, I would let him play, give him a set, and make him live. Make him live. Take his red jersey off or whatever color you do. But when you scrimmage, make him live, and let's see what he can do. Because if you start blowing whistles too quick on this kid, you're doing him an incredible injustice because he can make plays, I think, that other kids can't make. Okay, Again, he's a little erratic fundamentally, and he doesn't throw very many balls transferring through him. You know? So sometimes you got to kind of hold your nose and go, oh, God, I don't like that. But the ball tends to hit the guy in the hands. So from a production perspective, you can fix – some of the things that he doesn't do as well, but some of the things he does do well, you can't coach. So uh, I think uh, he looks pretty accurate. And at the end of the day, he is going to be a playmaker. Now, this is the deal because you got to find out. He, I said he looks pretty accurate, but I need to see him throw more. You know what I mean? Not a sample size to really know if he is accurate. But if he can continually hit the target, he can continue to play quarterback. Because the other stuff he does, don't I don't draw on the board. So uh, I would keep an eye on this one. You know, all that said, if for some reason he doesn't pan out as a quarterback, 
it's a bottomless pit of other positions he could play. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is a good investment in my, in my opinion, I think, uh, but I'd sure like to see what he can do as a quarterback. It will be interesting. Well, his brother is good advertisement, right? Yeah. <laughs> think, hey, you can find a role for a guy that's a straight dog. Uh, and that is, that is going to eat, sleep and breathe football. Right. And so, uh, comes from has good pedigree comes from good stock and so i think um you try him out as a quarterback uh you know that they're going to be uh chasing a a five-star guy in the next class likely Jaden davis and if they get Jaden davis uh the pendulum kind of swings in that direction you don't give it to him there's still an opportunity for other guys to win but you know this is one of those scenarios where if that does happen and the five-star guy comes in and is really a five-star guy. It's not like Kay McNamara where you're only a quarterback. And because yeah, that's the only right. place you play, I got to go. This is a kid that can play someplace else. Yes. And that's – I call them investments. I mean, they say, uh, he's an athlete. I go, yeah, well, he's an athlete, but he's an investment in the program, knowing that there's so many things you could do with him if he doesn't play the position that you recruited him to play. But I think this kid needs to get a legitimate shot. Yeah. The quarterback. I don't care who else they recruit. I don't care who it is. If it's another five star, he needs to get a shot as a quarterback and then go from there. Yeah, and he will, and he will. No anointing. Hey, no anointing, Sam. We don't. No, no, no. They do that in the Vatican, Sam, but they don't do that on the football field. There'll be no anointing. Not not out of high school anyway. Okay. Hey, AJ didn't become more. You know, immensely talented overnight. He was immensely talented coming in the door. And they didn't just hand it to him. So no, no, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta earn it. And, it, and when you earn it, it's all the better because it makes him more self fulfilled, and the team sees it that there is no sense of entitlement. I think that's a big thing if you want cohesiveness. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, programming note: I got a message from Vance uh, here while we were going. The bomb cyclone has already hit him over there in the, in the Denver area. Oh so he, man, that's he, not good. Yeah, he he said it's like minus sixteen degrees, not wind chill. He says minus sixteen. His his uh, internet service is down, so we're going to have to postpone the session with Vance. We hope to be able to do it tomorrow. That is pending. The weather kind of letting up on him out there in Colorado, so we'll get it in. Uh, if not, and if we don't get it in this week, we'll get it in next week when we get back on our regular schedule because. Full scale preview. Al has watched like every TCU game known to man, right? You've seen every snap. <laughs> You've seen every snap this season. I'm sick of looking at him, Sam. I started. I started looking at Georgia. I started looking at Georgia's <laughs> offense. I, I mean, yeah, I've watched Georgia on or TCU on defense mostly, but I've watched them on offense, and then I've started to look at Georgia because I'm an optimist, and I can be that way because I'm not coaching. I, you know, so right. Well, and uh, Vance has six games. Uh, he, he, what, and I know the six, he has, uh, the Kansas game, uh, the Kansas state, the Kansas state regular season game, Texas, Baylor and Oklahoma state. And then he has the big 12 championship. So six games, uh, where, you know, the offense was, it's, it's most potent against decent opponents. And so, Mm -hmm. except with the exception being Texas, where it wasn't a very potent game, but very, very good breakdown. Uh, that he's going to be able to provide. We'll do those breakdowns, those previews next week. And if we don't get Vance's defensive recruiting uh, analysis, we'll add that next week as well. Just give people a, a taste of it real quick, Al. Now that you've watched TCU, 
extensively. Any sort of has your opinion of them? Has your opinion of this matchup evolved or changed in any way? No, no. I think it. I think they're dangerous. But I, again, it's one of those games. Uh, they don't see what Michigan does consistently. Now, what I did, Sam, uh, is I, and what we're going to do is we're going to look at plays that Michigan runs that TCU opponents ran, plays like dual plays, plays like pin and pulls, plays like split zones, plays like open side zones, you know, all the things that we've telestrated all year and talked about at nauseum. I went through every game and I picked out plays, just cherry pick plays, just to see how TCU defended them. And what we're going to do, we're going to look at it, we're going to telestrate how we think they'd be blocked and all that. But I think uh, this is a good ma- a good matchup for Michigan, but a dangerous matchup. I don't want to undersell it either because they are good on offense and they they play hard on defense and they got some athletic kids. But this is a game, again, take care of business, take care of the ball, do what you've been doing, keep your timing in your passing game because you haven't played in a while. That's a, that's a factor. And I think Michigan will be in a championship game. I really do. All right. Well, folks, look ahead to the full preview next week. Offensive preview of the Fiesta Bowl with Al Borges. Defensive preview for the Fiesta Bowl with Vance Bedford. And at some point, hopefully tomorrow, uh, Vance's breakdown of the defensive recruits in the 2023 uh, 2023 class. If we can't get it this week, we'll get it in next week. In the meantime, in between time, want to give you or extend to you guys our best holiday wishes to those of you who celebrate Christmas. Merry Christmas. We'll we'll see you before the new year because we got to break down this Fiesta Bowl matchup and cannot wait to do it. Al, you're a swell guy to hang out with, man. Must say. Yeah, I want to try to figure out how to return that favor, but nothing's coming to me right now. I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> Folks, uh, I hope you appreciate this this analysis from Gorgeous Borges. There'll be more where that came from. Be sure to like this video. Be sure to subscribe to the channel. If you haven't already, be sure, if you're listening to this on the podcast channel, subscribe to the podcast channel and like it. Tell all your friends about it. They can get it wherever they get their podcasts. And, of course, if you want to keep track of everything we do, if you want to be uh, on top of everything that happens with Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting, the MichiganInsider.com is where to go, and you can get in right now for 50% off an annual subscription. That's even if you're a monthly subscriber. You can take advantage of the deal by upgrading for 50% off the annual. Do not wait because it's only going to go on for another day or two, I think. So get it while you can. Uh, until next time, folks, thanks for watching another Breakdown Edition recruiting style this time with Al Borges. We'll see you next week. Go Blue!